Okay, good morning, everybody. It's Tony Fleming. This is our 7 a.m. Eastern Mindset Call. We do this call every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Central, and 4 a.m. Pacific Time. I saw we had uh, one person last week at, on the 4 a.m. Pacific Time. <laughs> so we had one person in Tacoma, Washington last week. Pretty cool. Um, so we started. You know, we used to have a lot of people. Uh, from uh, Seattle, and I guess that 4 a.m. really got to him. So, but we're gonna start with Tacoma this time. I mean, when I first heard Tacoma, I said, "What's that?" They said, "That's the end of the United States." <laughs> I said, "Really?" So, yeah, I can see Russia from there. I said, "Okay." <laughs> but yeah, we do this call, man. Um, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we also put this call on the podcast on the podcast platform, uh, so that you know it can reach other individuals. Uh, we also put it out there for, uh, you can go back and listen to the playback, a lot simpler and easier. So it's not a podcast, but it's loaded on the podcast platform, like on Apple, on, on iTunes, on Breaker, on, uh, you know, what else, uh, 16 different platforms that we're on, Spotify, um, a lot of different calls. I mean, a lot of different platforms. And what we do on this particular call is we talk about mindset, man. This is a it's not a corporate call, not a team call, not a company call. It's a mindset call. And, and we talk about things that affect individuals on a daily basis, not just your job, not just your business, not just your relationships, everything. And, these things, and what we talk about relates to all of that because it's your thoughts. It's your paradigm, which is, a combination of everything you heard your whole life. And we always talk about having a paradigm shift because some of the stuff that we heard, uh, most of us growing up in a middle class or poor neighborhood, we heard some things that could be damaging to our growth financially. Uh, one of the main things I always emphasize is that, you know, if you grew up in a neighborhood like that, you heard or if somebody said or somebody around you in some form or fashion was talking about rich people were evil. And that's just one thought process. We heard thousands of them. And, but that one, rich people are evil, man. If you're trying to strive to be successful in life financially, you've got to believe that's holding you back. One of the, main, one of the things that I, we discussed, too, is that a lot of us don't know it's there. We don't, we don't realize it's there because, you know, we even have the audacity to say we never heard it. <laughs> if we grew up in a neighborhood, poor neighborhood or middle class, we'd say, well, you know, my mom and dad never said that. Okay, they didn't have to say it. Somebody said it in your neighborhood. Somebody said it in the environment that you were in. Somebody said it, and it was heard on a regular basis, and maybe in a different form or fashion, but it was heard. Uh, so we talk about that, and we talk about some of the things that need to be changed because that can hold you back. If, you, if you're literally trying to succeed in life, especially financially, and then, you know, you got that thought process in your mind, that rich people are evil, so you're thinking, man, I don't want to be rich. Why? Because they're, they're going to say I'm evil. Those are things that are a lot of subtle things, a lot of things that were that were programmed that's holding us back, and that's what we talk about on this call. Again, not just that, but that's just one thing that I brought up that we talk about. We also have a replay number, 712-432-1085, 712-432-1085, and you can go back and listen to the uh, replay uh, also um, 
with the same pin code, 783357-POUND. 783357-POUND. You go back and listen to that same pin code, lock it in, you know, because the key, the key is repetition. It's not what you hear, it's what you keep hearing. Not what you see, what you keep seeing. Not what you say, what you keep saying. You know, keep is the operative word, and boy, we emphasize that. That if you're going to learn, well, if you're going to learn, unlearn, and relearn again, you got to do the repetition thing. You got to hear it over and over. It has to be a part of your life. It has to be in your circle all the time. It has to be in the conversations of the other people that you hang with. Not just the conversation here. Not just the conversation on this call. Not just the conversation and maybe a few of the books we read. It has to be a part of your environment because your environment programs you. So that means you got to realize the people that you hang around and you got to change some of those things. You can't have a whole different conversation from what we have in here on a daily basis every place else, which means you can't get out of this call, go into a whole other total environment, and all day long listen to something opposite of what we're talking about. Because if you do that, you're trashing everything that you hear today. And that's the challenge that we have because a lot of people are doing that. All right, folks, let's get started this morning. Um, you know, we've been doing the laws, um, the spiritual laws, the, the the ones that were kind of, you know, a lot of people didn't talk about it. I don't know why we didn't, you know, a lot of people didn't go over some of these laws. But we, we've done so far, let's see, what have we done so far? We've done the law of sacrifice, the law of compensation, the law of attraction, the law of increase, the law of thinking. We did the law of, uh, what else we do? Let's see. The law of uh, receiving. We did the law of forgiveness on Friday. Um, so today, guess what? We're not going to do any laws. We're going to come back to the laws. I want to pick up and really redo some of the stuff and go over some of the stuff that I talked about on Saturday on our live training I did. Uh, not the book club, but the Saturday training we did. And I was talking about... Um, what it takes to be successful in business, and I was using those three <clears throat> big words that Mr. Kid Lord was using. <laughs> used, the three big words. <laughs> They're so big, man, I had to uh, check for the spelling of them because I was trying to Google and research on any more, and boy, I was putting in, I was spelling them wrong. Man, I, I was <laughs> like, how do you spell these words, you know? And they are psychological, philosophical, and mathematical. Now, I knew how to spell mathematical. I had that part down, Pat. <laughs> but the psychological and the philosophical, boy, that took me a minute. I'm glad we had that thing. What's the thing on the where it corrects your spelling or whatever so I can <laughs> find the exact word because I swear, I'm like, where is this word? Where is it? Um, but I found it. So now, check this out. Well, I'm gonna go over the article. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna break down the whole article because I had to find this. I had to find this information. I kept digging for it, and then all of a sudden, go, I struck gold. Everything started to come up on this particular topic. Everything. I mean, I'm like, I'm thinking. I didn't know there was this much information out here on it. Matter of fact, I should. I should have known that because it's so much. I mean, that's a 
you know, this is a, a particular field that, that people go into. You know, people actually go into this field and, uh, you know, psychology. And uh, if you really get some of this stuff down, Pat, man, it's, this will take you to a whole other level. It will. Because it's going it's to help you on the psychological part of the business. The psychological part of, of uh, dealing with people. I mean, that's, you know, when you think about the psychological part, you're thinking about the mindset. You're thinking about the mentality. You're thinking about everything that's opposite of the physical part. Even the emotional end of, uh, of, uh, of yourself when you're dealing with the psych. When you're dealing with the psychological end of it. So, so he say that business is psychological, philosophical, and mathematical. For sure, it's all those three. And I'm sure it's going to be it's probably, probably a lot more. But if we get those three down, Pat, and really understand those three, it'll take us to a whole other level. But we're going to understand that after 60 seconds. <laughs> They're doing it because they have studied 
the brain has studied people and they know what it takes to market to you. And so what I'm saying is when you're sitting down with a person, you know, maybe after COVID or if you're still sitting down with people right now, or you're talking to somebody on the phone or somebody's talking to you or you're on a Zoom or whatever and you <clears throat> having eye contact with people, trust me, you got to learn how to market to those individuals. you got to learn the mindset that comes behind that, the thought process when you're meeting and introducing yourself to people and you're doing It's a game, folks, that has to be learned. And a lot of us, we're so uh, – I can't think of the word that I want to say. We're so – I'm not going to say it's not uninformed, but we're so naive when it comes to this that we really don't think that's happening. We really don't think the skills we have to have, even when we, the little things that we talk about in our trainings about, you know, the edification part and playing team and making sure you do this, it, 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 it really affects some of the, the new people who don't understand business and think that it's a, like you're trying to scheme people. Oh, you're trying to win, and people are doing the same thing with you because you don't understand that you get market to all day long. But the challenge is you be thinking you be thinking to yourself, well, or you are thinking that, well, I don't know if I want to learn that kind of stuff because it, it might seem like I'm, I'm being slick or something. It might, but you don't mind getting slicked. <laughs> That's a, people don't mind doing that, but it comes to us in business, you got to learn the game. And today, I'm talking about the psychological end of the game, which is, some of the things that it takes and, and some of the, what y'all call hacks, the hacks or tricks or marketing skills that it takes to influence people. Because trust me, if you around successful people, very successful people, they're using those on you. It's just natural for them to do it. They're using them on you. But it's just natural for them to do it and don't even realize that it's happening. And don't even, you, I mean, they might not even realize they're used. Well, not take that back. They know. It's just, just it's a part of them now. And you got to understand that's a game and that skill level that you have to learn also. So let's jump right into the article that I read the other day. I actually didn't read it. But this is what I found while I was out there searching on the psychological end of it. Remember, psychological, now we're going to keep talking about this, philosophical and mathematical. All right, so psychological. And the article says this, before we get started, it's important to note that none of these methods fall under what we would turn the dark side of influencing people. The dark, or no. That's not what it is. Anything that might be harmful to someone in any way, especially to their self-esteem, is not included in, the, in these ten, because there's ten of them. These are ways to win friends and influence people using the psychology without being a jerk or making someone feel bad. So these are some of the things that you have to learn, some people, because guess what? They're being used on you, so you have to get over that thing about, I don't know if this is right. Or I don't, they, they, they're being used on you. So you got to learn how to use them. All right? So number 10, <laughs> it says here's a trick. Get someone to do you a favor. 
you know, also known as the Benjamin Franklin effect. So the article says, legend has it that Benjamin Franklin once wanted to win over a man who didn't like him. He asked the man to lend him a rare book, and when the book was received, he thanked him graciously. As a result, this man who had never wanted to speak to him, never wanted to speak to Ben Franklin before, became good friends with Franklin eventually. To quote Franklin, he that has once done you a kindness will be more ready to do you another than he whom yourself have obliged. So <laughs> he said, he's saying that your enemy or somebody that you're trying to befriend, if they do you a kindness, it's more likely they don't do it again and, be, and become friends with you than you giving them a kindness. Think about it. So he said, find, a, find somebody and ask them to do you a favor. Scientists decided to test this theory and found that, that, that those who were asked by the researcher for a personal favor rated the researcher much more favorably than the other groups did. Because you reached out and asked for a favor from somebody that you didn't even like or they didn't like you, and you're trying to get on their side, I want them on your side. Remember, you're building influence. And the article says it may seem counterintuitive, but the theory is pretty sound, believe it or not. If someone does a favor for you, they are likely to rationalize that. So they got to justify in their mind why they did it. And they're going to justify that you must have been worth doing that favor for. Because why would I do that? And decide that, therefore, they must kind of like you. They must kind of like you. So that's a, a way to influence a person that you, don't even, that you don't even know or like or they don't like you. If you're trying to build a relationship and you're trying to be friends with somebody, especially when you think they don't like you, especially when you think that you all are enemies, You know, a typical, most of us would think, well, let me do my enemy a favor if I want to get on their good side. But the article says, through studies, the best way to get on their good side is to ask them to do you a favor. <laughs> you know, ask them to do you something, and it, it's going to catch them off guard, first of all, when you do that. And then the way the influence works is once they do it, it's a mental game that's going on in their head now. So they're thinking, you know, I did that. So, I mean, the person must not be that bad of a person. And then you ask them again, and they do you another one. It's on. You, you have suddenly influenced someone that didn't know that you was influencing them. And that's a part of the psychological end of the business, the psychological end of marketing, just the one-on-one -on -one psychological end when you're dealing with people and talking to people. Hmm. Here's another one I talked about. Uh, aim high. Okay, so this, 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 this part of the psychological end is to ask for or way more than what you want, or ask way more than what you want at first, then scale it back later. 
My my you know my niece knew this thing at a at a I mean at a young age. My niece was I guess five years old or something. And I've told this story before. We go into the grocery store. She saw Uncle Tony. I said what? She said, "Can I get two toys?" I said, first of all, I say, there's no toys in this grocery store. Now, she's already figured out where the toys are. She she knows where they are. She she said, I just say, oh, I can show you. Come here. <laughs> so I follow her. She go to the the fifth aisle in the back of the grocery store. I guess that's where. I guess when my mother took it in there, she knew where it was. But I didn't know there was any toys in there because I had, I don't go in the grocery store looking for toys. <laughs> She took me right to it, and she said, Uncle Tony, can I get two or one? <laughs> well, you ain't getting but one. <laughs> See, she aimed high. She asked for a bigger. <laughs> I'm like, no, you ain't get, you get two now. You can get you you get one. <laughs> I had to scale it back. <laughs> She's like, you know, I got to get one of these. So really, let me ask for two, and I know he'll probably give me one. That's marketing, folks. Uh, the article says this trick is sometimes known as the door-in-the-face approach. The door-in-the-face approach. You start by throwing a really ridiculous request at someone. A request, <clears throat> excuse me, a request they would most likely reject. You know, then come back shortly thereafter and ask for something much less. You know, some, something. You know, you see that. You see that, like you know, when when um. You see that when, you know, real estate companies come to town. <clears throat> you know, I was sitting in those real estate events where <laughs> the guy in the middle of the real estate event was stopped. Man, you know, something that's hitting my spirit right now, and I really need to obey my spirit. <laughs> now, you don't know what's happening to you. I'm sitting there watching. Yeah, I know what's about to happen, but some of y'all don't even think about it because y'all are the same people who said you didn't have $200 to start a business, and the real estate guy says, well, you know this package, package is normally um, 10000 or $9,995.99. But today, because I'm in Atlanta, uh, because this, uh, uh, you know, something's going on and just in my spirit, today and today only, if you got a credit card or a debit card, I need you to come down here and we're gonna we're gonna give you this package that's usually nine thousand nine hundred and ninety five dollars and ninety nine cents. That's that's the part about, you know, um asking for way more. And then they say for nineteen hundred dollars and ninety nine cents. I know it's a crazy number. Said, you know, I'm saving you eight thousand dollars. I don't normally do this, and I'm like, yeah, everyone I've said in, you normally do. <laughs> I've seen that happen. But people, be, you being marketed to, you don't understand that. You say, <laughs> you say, well, I see them jump up and they run down there with them credit cards. Now this is the same person that didn't have two hundred dollars. You know why? Because we didn't market to them. And when you feel bad about marketing to somebody, but they doing you, 
They've been doing you all. They've been doing you all your life. You don't even understand. They be doing you on the commercials from Burger King, from the commercials that you're watching, because they know, meaning the people who own these companies, that that you have to be marketed to. You have to be moved to action. But you, the little person who doesn't understand, something wrong with that. I don't know if I can do that to people. Well, you, I don't know if I. You just keep getting God then, because that's what happens to you all the time, and me, and everybody else. We hear stuff so much that we don't understand that this is what happened, and that's because you have to be trained to move. See, we don't, we don't, we don't play that game. You know, that's why you, people, oh man, you know, you got two hundred dollars. But that same person who think, you know, like my wife would come on sometimes talking about something. <laughs> I said, when you start with this, there was some. Uh, uh, what'd she say? I got this item that was normally uh, $800, $799. I got it for $399. That saved us $400. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> if you didn't spend any money at all, it would have saved us $799. <laughs> it saved us $400. No, no, it didn't. <laughs> we ain't say nothing because we spent money. No, it was regular this. Yeah, but what if you didn't go in the store at all and never walked in there? It'll be four hundred dollars in our checking account that we that we don't have now. But you saw that sale and you're like, Oh, I gotta get this thing. <laughs> but then we, we do that, but then when we train and we say, You gotta learn skills like that to move I don't know about doing that, that's kinda wrong. The Lord might not bless me for doing that. <laughs> Lord, may not. That sound like a trick, there, man. Like you tricking folk. <laughs> really? Okay. Like you ain't been tricked all your life. I remember. I remember we came back from uh, Switzerland, and I remember leaving the airport in Atlanta, driving home, and I was coming around seventy-five, eighty-five, and I was getting over by the old Braves Stadium, um, and I noticed a lot of stuff. I said, "You noticed something?" She said, "Well," I said. You see all these billboards? And it looks like, like somebody had their hand out just asking us for money every time you pass one. Give me your money, give me your money, give me your money, give me your money. But see, I, we, you never think about it because it just see it all the time. It's normal here. But in Switzerland, we were there for like five days. You didn't see one billboard. Not one. I'm like, dang. But you know, when you're in the mix of this thing, you don't you don't understand it because it's so a part of the way we live that we don't understand that everybody's asking for our money all day long. But we got to learn to ask for money also. So it says the request you start with a ridiculous amount, and they will likely reject that. You know, I ain't paying no nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars. You then come back shortly after and ask for something much less, something less ridiculous, the thing you actually wanted in the first place. Now, this trick may also sound counterintuitive, but the idea behind it is that the person will feel bad for refusing your first request, thinking, well, I said I want to I be successful in life, and I said I want to I wanna, you know, do some things that other people are not doing. I, I know it's going to take a risk, and, and I'm sitting here concerned about $9,000, and I know I want to change my life. I do. I really do. And I'm really upset that I, I'm afraid to spend that 9000 because they gave me a, 
a, a three you know month option where I can just pay three thousand down, then three thousand next month, and then three thousand. And I just I just turned that down. So I really feel bad that if I'm trying to change my life and I can't spend any money, and then he says the whole thing is nineteen hundred dollars. <laughs> oh, hit my card. Refuse. <laughs> Because they feel guilty. You felt guilty about the first request because you said you want to change your life. Now, I know some of y'all on here listening. Well, that don't get to me. Yes, it does. That same stuff has got to you. Maybe not the real estate, but all all your life you've been marketed to. Some has gotten to you because that's just how it works. You can't say that you ain't been marketed to, and you can't say it's gotten to you because you might say, well, I don't buy the items on sale. You have bought some things. That has been marketed to you, and that's the only way. That's the only reason you bought it. And if you say you're not, you're lying like the people sitting in the barbershop. And they say, "Well, that stuff don't affect me." Oh, really? Do you know that these companies spend millions of dollars studying the brain? They got these departments. That's all they do to see why we react a certain way and why we do certain things a certain way. And then we, they spend that kind of money so that they can turn around, spend money to, I mean, do things to get money from you because now they've studied. So you're trying to say that you're not a part of that. My brain is different. My, no, you've been marketed to. So now the person feels bad because that first request, yeah, I thought I was going to go get it. I thought, so now, as soon as you hit that 1900, shoot, I'm down here. See, this is less unreasonable. Scientists tested this principle and found that it worked extremely well, as long as the same person asks for the bigger and smaller favor, because the person feels, you know, obliged to help you the second time, not anyone else. It has to be the same person. It can't be two or three people doing it. It has to be the first person who said in the beginning that the package was nine ninety nine, and then that same person comes back and say. It's 1900. I saw a guy do that at one of our events uh, a few years back, in, in, uh, in one of our, you know, Saturday trainings. They had the speaker come in, and he did that. And I saw people go down there. And look, I'm sitting there, me and my partner standing back watching it, like, man, do you see this? The guy walked out there with boxes and boxes of money. And you say, well, I don't know if I want to. Look, you better learn that skill. You better understand how that works and get good at it. Another one we talked about uh, that I talked about on Saturday was the name. The name. So here's the thing. Use a person's name or their title depending on the situation. Dale Carnegie, you know, the author of How to Win Friends and Fluent People, believed that using someone's name was incredibly important. He said that a person's name is the sweetest sound in any language for that person. A name is the core part of their identity. So hearing it validates our existence, which makes us much more inclined to feel positively about the person who validated us. When a person says our name all the time, and you, you, man, you feel good. You might not want to admit it, but you feel good. I've, seen, I've sat and watched pros. I've been around some pros who you wouldn't even think were pros, but I was around them so long I realized that game is tight. I know there's one guy that I learned from from, from 1999 to around 2002. 
And he did it so suddenly, I mean subtle, that when we sat down and talked to people, he would put their name out on them and just, and then he would nod his head also. We talked about that one before, but he would say something like, his favorite, his favorite line was this. And I don't, and I don't know why this thing works so much, but he, you know, his favorite line was this. You need to try to use this sometime too. So when he would, when he want to get a point across, not only would he say the name, like he'd say Tony. And this was his favorite line, and I didn't pick up the line for almost a year from watching him. He'll say something like, you know and I know that that doesn't work. Or you know and I know that that's not smart. Like he'll draw something out, he said, now people are doing this all the time. Now, Tony, you know and I know. So what he's saying is, we both smart. <laughs> You know that you know, even though that might not be true, even though he knows, even though he might be thinking, Tony don't understand this. He don't realize what's happening. But I'm sure about to make him feel good with this. And you don't even realize why. Why he's gonna look, man? Come on, you know, you know, and I know what's happening right here. He ain't saying you know, and the world knows. Say you know, and I know, Tony. You know, and I said that this guy made millions of dollars. I said that and watch him, and he does it so naturally. He does it so naturally. That's a part of his level to influence people that we're talking about here—the psychological part of influencing people. You know, like if you're talking about, you know, a business or something, or you're talking about people getting involved with your business, and you need somebody. Now, look, look, Tony. You know, and I know that most people out here ain't making money. And that most people really need a business. You know and I know. But the thing is to find the right business that will fit them and that they will. Now, you, you, boy, <laughs> you know and I know. If that doesn't make you feel good, because now you, you're saying that only us realize what's going on out here. These other folks don't know any better. And I'm, telling, I'm talking about I literally travel with this guy. I went around the country with him. Watch him do seminars, and it was a whole year of me sitting listening before I realized that phrase that he was using was so true. And it was, you know, not only did he use my name, but he also made me feel like I was pretty smart. You know what, what made me get it? Because I saw him talking to other people, and I noticed that he said that to them too. <laughs> ah, dog! Like, okay. You sit down with somebody, man, you got a new prospect for your business, and you're trying to get them enrolled in the system, and, and you say, well, you know, i tell you what, Johnny, you know, there's a lot of people out here, man, that, that see stuff like this, and they really don't realize that they must move on immediately, not, 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 not Johnny. You and I know that. We, we know that. We understand that you got to move on something fast. We know that because you can lose, you can miss it. But a lot of folk out here don't know that. <laughs> so Johnny's sitting there thinking, no, I really didn't know I had to move on that fast, but he just told me I knew, so I got to I gotta go and move on this. <laughs> he said, especially using person's name, he said the person's name is the sweetest sound in any language. The name is the, is the core part of our identity. So hearing it validates our existence, which makes us much more inclined to feel positively about the person who validated us. Because you literally tell a person, 
you know, not only do I respect you, I know your name, man. I'm put your name back out there. And then this guy was telling them, not only that, you smart. So it says, but using a title or form of address can also have strong effects according to the, as of a principle. The idea is that you act like a certain type of person, you will become that person. It's a bit like a self-fulfilling prophecy. To use this to influence others, you can't refer to them as what, you know, you want them to be. You know, I talked about that, that, you know, you know how you can say to a person, man, what's up, King? Now, it could be shocking to people when you say that. And, you know, you might, and, 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 and again, I said this too, that if you got low self-esteem and you feel real low about yourself and you got some kind of challenges going on, when somebody calls you a king, a man, you have a little problem with that because you feel like, you know, first of all, you don't think you're a king and you think you think that the guy is being smart or being, you know, like ridiculing you or something like that. And so, you know, you can say something to somebody like that and they get upset because they think you, like I told you, I had a partner of mine, I mean, I had this friend would say to me, why does your guy, when he calls me, say, I'm a superstar? She said, why does this guy say that to me? I, I don't like the game he's playing. And I'm thinking, aren't you a superstar? But a person that has lower self-esteem that doesn't feel that way, they don't think, though. They think you're playing a game with them. Now, it says here, say the words that you want a person to become. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So what's up, King? And then, you know, some people with high self-esteem going to be like, you know, well, it's about time, bro. <laughs> I've been trying to show you I'm a king forever, and now you finally saying it? What's up with that? What? About time. Glad you got a little sense here. <laughs> we, that's, that's right. Not only am I a king, I'm the king of kings. There is nothing higher. The sucker MCs, they call me sire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, if you got that kind of confidence in yourself, you're like, hey, okay, you're right. I'm a king, you're a king. You know, what's up, boss? That's right. You finally realize, not only I'm a boss, I'm your boss. <laughs> you didn't listen to me. But somebody who have that, that level of self-esteem they can accept that, and, and they might even just, you know, smile and, and play the game back with you. That's it. So they start thinking of themselves that way. They already feel that way. I'm going to tell you another one that uh, a lot of people used to use, and, I, and this is a guy. Uh, I remember when I first moved to Atlanta, not first moved, but when I was hanging out in Atlanta, I would say between 87 and I'd say between 87 and 92, around that time, uh, I was hanging with this, this girl, young girl. We were real good friends. And her brother uh, used to always, every time he saw us, every time I saw him, I don't care where he was. And her, her brother was younger. He was still in school. I was out of school. You know, but every time I saw him, he used to say, what's up, my friend? What's up, my friend? And he, he called other people that when he saw them. What's up, my friend? And so he started doing that so much to me that whenever I would see him in passing, 
and this just was we were hanging out. You know, at that time it was we were hanging out, and he, that was I would say that before he got to me. Because if I saw him first, I knew he gonna say that, so I would hit him with that first. What's up, my friend? Because it says here, this can be as simple as calling an acquaintance. You want to be closer to you, a friend or a mate. So whenever you see them or referring to someone you want to work or work for as a boss or something, but be warned. If you're dealing with somebody low self-esteem, whatever, it can come off kind of corny or you come off kind of like where you kind of saying the wrong thing to them and they feel bad about it. But if you're talking to somebody who feels good about themselves, they don't have a problem with that. This guy eventually got killed, too. He was well-known. His family was well-known. Um, and it was a freak death. You know, it was a, sto- it was a story went deep about him. Uh, everywhere, because people knew him. But, uh, but, you know, and I think he literally felt that way, though. I don't think he was, I don't think he was, you know, that makes it even more genuine when you really feel that way about people, because I think everybody he approached and everybody who got around him felt like he was really a friend of theirs and they was a friend of his. But I guess if you say it enough, and you talk about it enough, and you have other people saying it, it becomes a part of your life. It's, you know, what's up, my friend? I think, uh, then, 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 um, uh, the leadership guy, Maxwell, he says that, right? I'm John, and I'm your friend. He says that all the time in his events, and, you know, when he's talking to people, hi, I'm John, and I'm your friend. And we don't even realize that's a way to influence people. That's a skill level that you have to learn. Remember, in business, it's psychological, philosophical, and mathematical. And we're talking about the psychological end. And i got to stop right now because we're going way over. We're going to stop here and pick back up on Wednesday with the psychological end of business, the psychological part of it. I mean, go, go research Psychology, and go research some of the things that go on there um, in your thought process. I'm telling you, if we're going to be professionals, we got to understand the psychological, the philosophical, and the mathematical. All right, so let's talk about a movie today. Here we go. Somebody said to me the other day, she said, yeah, we're playing the old movies. Now, a month before that, people say, why are you playing the new movies? You got some older movies out here that are good. See, you can't win in business. You got to understand the psychological end of that. <laughs> and you got to talk to people like, okay, you're right. You're right. You're so right. So I'm a, I found a newer movie, 2018. Probably the only real scene in the whole movie. <laughs> No, it was a good movie. It was no, no. I take that back. No, it was not a good movie. But it was interesting just because of. If I answer that, then y'all gonna know the answer. So I'm not gonna say that. But all right, here we go. Here's the scene. Here's the scene for the movie. Give me the name of the movie. Give me the loot. Give me the loot. Dope boy, Mr. Gonzalez. Don't let the pretty head fool you. I got eyes everywhere. And. Information is power. 
And power is priceless, you know that. What else do you know? I know the Trump mother. She's a volume Augustine's bringing in and she thinks it's because he's bold. I think it's because he's sloppy. That's why he's in love with right now. Because unlike you, he's messy. He talks too much. How much do you think I know in your family business? So you're suggesting that you can distribute a much higher volume for me? I maintain my relatively limited exposure. All right, preacher man. I wouldn't gamble my life on no suggestions. Before y'all say anything, or somebody gonna say, "Well, I said around the same time." <laughs> Go ahead, preacher man. Preacher man, I got these movies down pat. So he said it at seven forty-five my time. That's what my phone says. So if y'all get to text it now, I said that. I said that. Mm-mm. I'm going to let it finish. Mr. Gonzalez, uh, allow me to be your glory. Thank you. I'm going to give you triple the supply I was providing, Scatter. To start with. Sounds good. But I'm not going to front it to you. You'll pay me. Not a problem. because it was filmed in Atlanta, and that's probably the only movie I've ever seen that kind of really shows Atlanta. You know, a lot of movies, they say, well, we filmed it in Atlanta, but you really don't, you'll see a few scenes, but Superfly, man, that, you know, all over the whole movie, you really saw Atlanta. You know, certain parts of Atlanta, you saw, you, you know, you can like, well, I've been there. I know this spot here, I know that. You really don't see that in a lot of movies that say they spent, that they actually filmed in Atlanta. So I, I had to give him credit on that, but the acting was not that good. <laughs> the acting was not that good. He said, don't let that pretty hair fool you. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> so Preacher Man got that one super fly. That means that I keep my money in my pocket. Y'all got to come on now. They're going to ban you in a minute, Preacher Man, because every time people win a lot, they're going to, you know, this is the cap. This is uh, socialism. They say, <laughs> we can't let him play no more. <laughs> We got to get. We got to. We got to spread the wealth and give it to everybody else. We can't let preacher man keep playing because he keep winning. So we got to. In a minute, they're gonna. They're gonna protest. Preacher man has to go. Preacher man has to go. Preacher man, preacher man has to go. <laughs> he taking our money. So, but yeah, that's it, folks. That's all she wrote. Ah, man, the pen and the pencil broke. So uh, we'll be back here on Wednesday. We're gonna talk about the. The same thing, the psychological part of the business, understanding of the one-on-one marketing that we have to do, the things that we do when we're dealing with people. Because guess what? We're being marketed to all the time. I mean, all the time we're being marketed to, all the time. And if we don't learn, you know, how to market the individuals, we're going to lose. All right? We're out of here. I'll see you later. Bye. Thank you.